God bless you, friends and family. Thank you for joining me. This is Gail Manizak with City Changers, Illinois. Today, I want to be talking a little bit about your thinking, your thought processes, and how that can strengthen your life as we work in that area of our thoughts. Many uh, many Christians that I know of and are aware of have went through some severe trials uh, with the battle being against their mind and their thought life. But you know what? Our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. So what we think shapes who we are. So we're going to guard our thinking. We're going to be careful what we do think. And, uh, you know, you might think that I'm being overly dramatic there, but uh, to get your attention, but this is no exaggeration. Our lives, they do allow or they do follow the direction of our thoughts. Of course they do. The the better grasp um, that we grasp the truth, the better equipped we're going to be to change the the way of our lives, the way that our lives are going. But you know what? Don't take my word for it. Both the Bible and modern science actually are, uh, provide evidence that this is true. So through, through this time of talking about this, we're going to unpack both scripture and what we've learned from some science research and, um, Actually, here's a brief example. In Philippians 4, 8, and 9, the apostle writes, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put that into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. So in these just three sentences here, Paul moves from number one, thought, which is think about such things. And then number two, action, put it into practice. And number three, experience, which is the God of peace will be with you. That promise, that experience. So Paul tells us that our thoughts uh, shape our lives. In recent years, an entire discipline of modern psychology has developed called cognitive behavior therapy. And this breakthrough teaching reveals that many, many problems from, say, eating disorders to relational challenges, addictions, and even some forms of depression and anxiety are rooted in faulty and negative patterns of thinking. Treating those problems begins with changing our thinking or changing that particular thinking. I don't know about you, but when the Bible and modern psychology say the same thing, then we we probably need to know more. So what science is demonstrating today is what God told us through Solomon almost, what, 3,000 years ago, for as He thinks in his heart, so is he. Proverbs 23, verse 7. So for as he thinks in his heart, as I think in my heart, so am I. So if 
If both the Bible and modern science teach us that our lives are moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts, then we need to ask ourselves, do I like the direction my thoughts are taking me? And if your answer is no, then maybe it's time to change your thinking. Maybe it's time to decide to to change your mind so God can change your life. If you're skeptical about that, it's okay. Believe me, I get it. We've, We've all tried unsuccessfully to change bad habits and to force our, our, uh, our runaway thoughts sometimes back into the onto the right tracks but this time you're not alone you're about to discover that god will team up with you to transform your thinking so with god's help you can transform your mind you can stop believing the lies that hold you back you can end the vicious cycle of thoughts that are destructive to you And to others, you can allow God to renew your mind by saturating you with his unchanging truth. So as we look into Matthew chapter 4, we're going to read about Jesus. After his baptism, he's heading into the desert where he fasts for 40 days and nights. And at that time, Satan comes to Jesus to tempt him. And because he knew that Jesus had to be hungry, Satan obviously told him to turn stones into bread, just as he did with Adam and Eve. So the enemy was trying to get Jesus to do something that wasn't part of God's plan for his life. And you know, that's what the enemy does to you and I also. Jesus replied, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Matthew 4, verse 4. And then the enemy realized that his first plan failed, so he attacks Jesus from a different angle. And that that's also exactly what the enemy does to us. So same method, amen, a new try or new way that he tries to get us. The devil took Jesus to the highest point of the temple in Jerusalem, and he uh, dared him to throw himself off Satan decided to quote Psalms 91 which says it is written he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift up their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone so see the enemy he knows the Bible too he's known it for years he's used it against Christians for years he used it against Jesus (laughs) What would make us think that he would not use it against us? So he wanted to tempt Jesus to prove he was truly God's son by trying to force God to show evidence of his love and of his care. But Jesus stayed right on point and he simply answered, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Matthew 4, 7. So that didn't work either. So then Satan tried a different way of burrowing his way into Jesus' thinking. Again, that is exactly what Satan does with you and with me, as he tries to burrow his way into our thinking. So let us learn to catch those thoughts and do what Jesus did. And we're going to learn as we go through this 
So he brought Jesus to a tall mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world, and offered to give him all, give it all to him if Jesus would just bow down and worship him. Jesus had now had enough, and he commanded, Away from me, Satan. He then quoted Deuteronomy 6.13, For it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. That's also Matthew 4, verse 10. So shouldn't we take the same approach that Jesus did? Three times in three separate instances and three separate temptations, Jesus exposed Satan's lies and engaged the truth of God's word that he had been memorizing since he was a young Jewish boy. So the first tool that we see here is that renewed our our mind being renewed and transformed. Our life was the replacement principle. It's like remove the lies, replace the truth. So once you grasp this tool, remove the lies, replace the truth, this weapon, you can begin to use it regularly, regularly to change your mind and your life. So Jesus clearly... Our Jesus' clear example detailed for us in Matthew 4 is why it is essential that we know the Bible. We need to stay in the Bible. We need to know the Bible. Every single day we need to read the Bible. So as followers of Christ, we need to prioritize, prioritize reading the Bible. Listen to Bible teaching. Join Bible studies and get God's Word into our hearts. So we can wield the sword against the lies of the enemy, right? If we don't know the word, we can't wield our sword. And the sword is, or our weapon is our sword, which is the word of God. Let's see, where was I? A while back, I made a solemn vow that I would stop obsessing over text, over emails. I decided that any time I heard the the little bing indicating that I received a message, I would not feel the urgency to check it immediately. And when I did check, I would not reread and reread what the other person wrote. I would then not rewrite and rewrite my response. My digital resolution lasted. Well, honestly, I don't think I ever stopped obsessing over texts and emails. Not only did my vow not last, it didn't even start, actually. So the problem with how we attack our problems is that we go after the problem. We focus solely on the behavior uh, by making a commitment to stop or to start or to stop doing something. We make a commitment. And I'm sure that you've done this too, right? You've decided, perhaps even declared that you were going to change a certain thing and then you tried over and over again. This year I'm gonna eat healthy. Maybe maybe it was that, or or I'm gonna stop dating anyone who's who's mean to me, or, or I'm gonna I'm tired of wasting my time on social media. I'm going to get my life in 
and everyone else's uh, quit comparing it. I'm, I'm going to get off for good. I'm going to get off social media for good this time. Maybe it was that. I've heard many Christians say that. <laughs> they don't do it, but they say it. So that's it. This is the last time. I will never look at pornography again. How about that? I'm not going to exaggerate or lie or gossip to get attention or feel better about myself. No more. You know, these are the things that we do. These are real life issues in people's lives. I'm going to read the Bible every morning this whole year. You say it. Many times we say it, we declare it, and then we don't do it. So whatever your your vow was that you made or decided to do, you know, you look at it. How did it go? I would guess it did not go well. And uh, and I would have to say because mo- behavior modification doesn't work because the focus is only on modifying behavior. You don't get to the root of the problem, which is the thought that produces the behavior. So there's a thought that produces that behavior. To be more specific, the problem is the neutral pathway that leads to the behavior. So let's say you had a, a ugly tree in your yard and, and you want that tree gone. Finally, you decide the time has come to take care of the problem. So you march out into your yard with a small little handsaw and you pick an ugly branch and you cut off, off the tree. You smile and walk back into the house triumphantly singing a medley of all I do is win and another one and another one bites the dust, right? And then the next day you're shocked to see that the tree is still standing strong. And as as you stare out the window, you could almost swear it's smirking at you. I know the analogy is absurd. You would never try to kill a tree but just by just removing a branch because the branch obviously isn't the problem. The tree is the problem. So actually the root system of the tree is the main culprit here. If you don't remove the root system, then you cut down the tree. It could still grow back. So if we decided, I'm, you know, I'm going to stop yelling at my kids or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop isolating myself and living a lonely life or I'm going to let's see, going to exercise every day and I'm going to lose some weight. We're just sawing off a branch. We are ignoring the real problem of the life that we believe and, and the mental rut that we have fallen into. So attacking only the symptoms is what we're doing, not the source. So thinking I can change a behavior just by removing the behavior is not very smart, actually. The behavior isn't the root problem. The the neutral pathway that leads me to the behavior is the problem. If I stop a behavior, it will come back 
unless I, number one, remove the lie at the root of the behavior, and number two, replace the neutral pathway that leads me to the behavior. So where will we get these new thoughts? We won't get them from scrolling through social media, looking at everybody's posts. We're not going to get them that way. Listening to our our favorite playlist or, or phoning up friends for their opinion, we're not going to get it that way. To stop the lies and to replace them with truth, we need to look to God's word. Amen? And that's what Jesus did. When Satan tempted him, Jesus couldn't. He couldn't whip out his iPhone and open up the version Bible app to search for a verse that might help. He had already internalized truth from God's word, and that's what we need to. That created a helpful pathway. And then when tempted, Jesus followed that path, leading him to obedience and leading him to freedom. And, and that's exactly what we need to do as well. I just, I, I hope I haven't lost anybody here. I hope you're uh, getting it. I hope that I'm, it's making sense to you that we've got to get to the root of the problem. There is a root to the behavior. So then the second tool for changing your thinking is the, you might call it the rewrite principle. Rewrite your brain. Renew your mind. So any trigger about... Um, Say what? Uh, any trigger about money could lead a person to fear or thoughts of how you don't have enough money or thoughts of how you need to save more to create security. You know, you could be triggered about money. You could be triggered about a lot of things, but, you know, um, we'll just use money. A lot of people are triggered by money. I, many people fall into a rut. That's the way the brain works. So... I need to create a trench of truth. So the good news is that the Bible speaks to all of our problems. God's word gives us truth and empowers us to break out of the old ruts of destruction and and onto a new path that leads to life. So what does the Bible say that applies directly to say fears about many issues since we just brought that up or since I just brought that up here are some of the verses let me just share them with you I know what it is to I I believe Paul said this to, to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation whether well fed or hungry whether living in plenty or in want Philippians 4.12 I will save you, and you will be a blessing. Zechariah 8, 14, or 13. It's important, or excuse me, it is more blessed to give than to receive, Acts 20, 35. God is able to bless you abundantly so that all things at all times have all that you need. You will abound in every good work, 2 Corinthians 9, 8. God will... Meet all your needs, excuse me, according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus, Philippians 
So from these, we could put together what we could call declaration. What I am declaring to be true in my battle against the lies I am tempted to believe. So the goal of of the declaration is to have it become our new neutral pathway. My intentional dug trench of truth. And here's the declaration based on God's word. Money is not and never will be a problem for me. My God is an abundant provider who meets every need because I am blessed. I will always be a blessing. I will lead the way with irrational generosity because I know it's true. I know it's truly more blessed to give than to receive. So that would just be one declaration made that speaks directly to a problem that has plagued many people for years in regard to money. Amen. So these statements, they create a new pathway leading to peace and they lead to generosity. What new neutral pattern do you need to create? That would depend on your old pathway, right? So draw your declarations from God's truth and make them your own. Be creative. Write your declaration in a way that will speak to and inspire you. Put them in places where you can quickly see them and memorize them. And then put them in notes on your phone so you can... Immediately, you know, you could swipe away and scroll to them right away when you needed them. Record them in your voice memos. Listen as you exercise or, or even drive your car. Repetition will dig your new trench deeper and deeper, making the new pathway easier and more accessible. So write your declaration as if it were already true. Even if you don't fully believe it yet, write it anyway. Write a new declaration or with a new declaration. We are claiming the victory we have in Christ and we need to create a neutral pathway that affirms our ability to demolish the stronghold and win the battle. So all this might feel... And it probably does to some of you foolish at first. But remember, anything new can feel strange in the beginning. But you will be saying something that you want to believe, but your life will be saying something different. And that's okay. Don't be discouraged. Don't give up. The gravitational pull towards your old negative thoughts will likely be stronger than you can imagine. But resist those lies. Keep renewing your mind with God's truth. And it will become true to you. Amen? It will become true to you. You can't control what happens to you, but you can control how you frame it. Right?
let's see about the apostle paul here paul had a strange plan for advancing the gospel as he go to rome (laughs) if he could get to rome and preach jesus to the leaders there the city could become a launch pad to spread the gospel all over the world when paul finally got to rome it was not to share Jesus with the government officials. He went there as a prisoner, actually. He was looked up under house, or excuse me, locked up under house arrest, chained to a rotating contingent of guards awaiting a possible execution. So Paul prayed for an opportunity, but it was not happening. Paul's circumstances were out of his control. Circumstances are almost always out of our control. So here you've been where Paul was. You thought, if I just get this degree, I'll get that job. You got the degree, but you did not get the job. You planned on being married by now, but you've not found Mr. and Mrs. Wright. Or you did find and marry the right person but everything went wrong. Oh, this is not the way life was supposed to go. You've been praying for years for your prodigal child, but God has not answered that prayer. So Paul was in that same situation, circumstances he did not want and could not control. He wrote to the church at Philippi about what was happening to him. What might he have said to them? He could have written, you know what? Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me really sucks. I wanted to to spread the good news through the preaching to government officials, but that did not happen. As a result of this hell I've been through, I've decided prayer doesn't work and I'm never going back to church again. But you know what? That's what some Christians would actually have said that. But that's not what Paul wrote. Could have been, but no, it was not. Remember, Paul couldn't control what happened to him. But he could control how he, how he framed it. Um, amen. How, how he turned... what's the word I'm trying to think of here's what he actually wrote to the Philippians through that which he could not control I want you to know my dear brothers and sisters that everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news for everyone here including the whole palace guard knows that I am in chains because of Christ and because of my imprisonment most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. Philippians 1 verses 12 through 14. Is that not amazing? So Paul was saying, you know what? I had a plan, but God had a better plan. So this is a whole different way to advance the gospel than what I was thinking. But God has blessed me with with, uh, prison guards who are chained to me. They have no choice but to listen to me, tell them about Jesus. And these soldiers have the ear of influential leaders. 
And get this, every eight hours they chain a new guard to me. And they think I'm the prisoner? Ha. God is moving. I can't wait to see what he does next. So you know what? As I close here, you can't control. You cannot control what happens to you. You cannot control what you go through. But you can control how you frame what you're going through. And that's why the third tool to change your thinking is the reframing principle. Reframe your mind. Restore your perspective on the situation that you're going through.